Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. That's me. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, we're going to be joined by ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Talk all about the trade deadline. We're going to discuss the Von Miller deal in detail and what other teams should have been aggressive on the trade market this past week. But first, before we do that, though, wanted to tell you about another ESPN podcast you may not listen to. I'd recommend you do so, though, because it features many of the smartest people covering fantasy football out there. Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp on Fantasy Focus Football. The crew provides daily strategy, previews, and injury reports, so you're more than prepared to dominate your fantasy football league. Find Fantasy Focus Football wherever you get your podcasts. And also, ESPN's new weekday studio show is out, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews. It tips off at the start of the NBA season with exclusive content Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chine Aquamike, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, former Grantland colleague of mine, Zach Lowe, Woj, of course, you got to get the Woj bombs in there, Ramona Shelburne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcast. All right. And joining me now here, as promised, is ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Taking time out from a very newsworthy Wednesday, uh, story <laughs> after story breaking here Wednesday afternoon as we record this. But we're going to talk about the trade deadline from someone who has been grading the trades for ESPN and doing a great job doing it. It is my colleague, Kevin Seifert. Kevin, how are you? I'm a little crazed, but I'm gearing my <laughs> uh, my brain right now back to uh, on-field football and happy to talk uh, trade deadline and trades that happened, trades that didn't, and everything in between. Yes, I you know it was not a a frantic trade deadline, but certainly one big trade. I think that's really fascinating from both sides, and we'll talk about both sides of the Von Miller deal. So the Rams oh. sending. Two day two 2022 picks, uh, two and a three to the Broncos, who not only sent Von Miller, but also paid, I believe, $9 million of what was remaining on Von Miller's contract. So basically, the Rams sent two picks, two mid round picks to the Broncos and are getting Von Miller playing for about the minimum over the remainder of the 2021 season. So Let's start with this move from the Rams side. Obviously, a team that perennially is in kind of tough cap shape with some of the deals they've made um, have to be sort of aggressive about, you know, working with uh, contracts and maybe have a budget to not spend as much as maybe some other teams at the trade deadline. But we know they've been aggressive in years past and they strike here getting Von Miller Um, from your perspective trading for Von Miller for a team that we know is competing for a Super Bowl. Does, how much does this move the needle for you? Does this help them a little bit? Or is this sort of the move that you think might be a significant difference maker uh, over the course of the rest of the 2021 season? Well, I think, it, I think Bill, it's incremental, but it's the hardest increment to get, if that makes sense. And that is um, 
taking a really good team that's almost certainly going to make the playoffs and probably has a good chance of at least a playoff win or two with their existing roster and making them just that much better, you know, one extra big play, one well-timed sack, one well-timed pressure from going from a team that loses in the divisional round or in the uh, championship game to a team that gets the Super Bowl and potentially wins it. And so I guess that's kind of a little bit of both. You know, it's I don't think it makes them from a, you know, be the top defense in the league. I don't think they're going to suddenly start shutting teams out. Uh, you know, that kind of move, maybe if they traded for Von Miller five years ago, would be different. But he's still, you know, he's a good player. And there's a long history of people um, aging pass rushers. Uh, having pretty, uh, I think of Ter- Terrell Suggs in yeah. Baltimore and the and the impact he had at a time when I thought he was kind of cooked and you know at least way beyond his prime and he had a lot of really good years because there were so many good players on that team uh, you know, to for offenses to pay attention to and so I look at it in those terms and so I think I think the Rams are definitely incrementally better but it was it pushed them to an increment that is really hard for and most teams never get there, which is to become a true Super Bowl contender. And remember, mm-hmm. they're not even like assured of winning the NFC West. I mean, yeah. Arizona, you know, we can say whether we think one is better than the other, what have you, but like they're tied, you know, uh, at least record wise. And so um, that, you know, they can't assume that they're just going to cruise through the regular season even. So, you know, there, there's also that to consider as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Terrell Suggs with the Ravens. I would even say Terrell Suggs with the Chiefs, um, you know, was a guy who was on the Cardinals kind of, you know, going nowhere. Cardinals were 5, 10 and 1 that year. Suggs wanted to get cut, wanted to go back to the Ravens, put on waivers. He says, I'm going to retire if I don't go to the Ravens. The Chiefs say, yeah, we'll give it a shot anyway. They claim him. He made big plays in that Super Bowl, especially during the fourth quarter to help that comeback happen. So absolutely. I mean, I think. You know, the potential is there for Von Miller to make a difference. And I think you brought up a good point about, you know, this isn't the Von Miller from five years ago. That guy was a defensive player of the year candidate, a, you know, a homewrecker, a, a just a yeah. monster of a player. Over the last couple of years, his numbers have declined eight sacks and 20 knockdowns in 2019. He misses all of 2020 and then 2021 so far this year, four and a half sacks, nine hits, did suffer an injury uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Browns game. That, that, that cost him uh, last week against, I believe, yeah, they're playing Washington in that right. crazy game. So, I mean, not 100%, certainly. But the Rams, I, I, you got to figure this is a trade they're making, not just for the weeks to come, but also for the postseason. And I think there's something realistic to talk about here that we sort of have seen with other players who have come to the Rams and played on the edge around Aaron Donald, which is Aaron Donald makes the guys around him a lot better. And you think about, Dante Fowler, a guy who was on the Jaguars, yeah. who was, you know, uh, lost his starting job after being a top five pick, was not a, you know, certainly a good athlete, but not a superstar by any means. Shows up with the Rams, has a great year, gets a big contract from the Falcons, has not looked like that guy since. Leonard Floyd um, replaces Dante Fowler, leaves the Bears after several disappointing seasons. He joins the Rams to kind of play that Fowler role. He's been a totally different player since joining the Rams. He had, uh, I believe, 18 and a half sacks in four years with the Bears, 17 sacks now in a year and a half with the Rams. And sacks aren't everything, but hey, if you're a pass rusher, you're getting paid to sack the quarterback. Leonard Floyd has done that 
at a much different level from the moment he joined mm-hmm. Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, I don't think these guys became drastically different human beings when they joined the Rams. I think their lives were easier because Aaron Donald is really good and gets a lot of attention. And so for Von Miller, yes, he's not the Von Miller from five years ago, but I do think that the Von Miller we're going to see on the Rams is likely to be more productive when he's on the field than the Von Miller we saw with the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, whatever his, you know, whatever the best version of Von Miller at age 32 can be, that's who he'll be with the Rams. And so I think they can rest assured with that. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, for the Rams sake, you know, a little bit reciprocal is that um, to whatever extent teams have, have just been solely this year focusing on Aaron Donald, they have to at least consider that they have, that Von Miller is now lurking on the outside. And I think there'll be some respect there given and certainly some attention there given and, and whether it gives Aaron Donald uh, 4% less uh, double teams than he would mm-hmm. normally face or 3% or just one less double team, then that's, that's a net win for them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, in, in terms of what you think about, this sort of deal. I mean, if the Rams are going to say, Hey, we have a second round pick and a third round pick. We're willing to deal. If you're willing, if the opposing team's willing to eat $9 million of whatever salary for the guy they're going to acquire is, and this is a tough question. So maybe it's not a realistic answer, but I want to know what you think. Like, like if the Rams were going to upgrade one position on this roster with this sort of deal where they were going to trade draft picks and the team was going to eat the money and just send the player back for the minimum, is edge rusher the position you think it would have made the most sense to go after? Or is there another position you think that would have made more sense for the Rams given what their roster looks like right now? Um, potentially other positions, um, but in terms of impact, like I, I, I personally subscribe to the, you know, the, I don't know if this is traditional or just intelligent <laughs> approach of like quarterback is the most important, pass rushing is the second most important. So if you're looking for the maximum impact of a deal, and they've already traded for the quarterback. And so uh, adding pa- edge pass rush seems like to me the most, um, the second most valuable thing that a team can do. And it doesn't, to me, whether they're already okay in that area, mm-hmm. um, maybe is irrelevant. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to be giving up two more draft picks, then maybe see how can you maximize that, the impact of that deal. And, and I don't know if, you know, whether it's trading for an offensive lineman or trading for a running back or trading for, um, you know, what other position on, on that team, you know, maybe a, maybe a corner at the corner. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe would fill a deeper hole, but it wouldn't have the same impact in my opinion. Um, and again, getting back to what we said earlier about what does this deal hopefully bring them, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I don't know if it'll bring them, you know, he's not going to play as enough. I wouldn't think in terms of playing time to make a play by play possession by possession down, you know, half by half impact. It's going to be, can he contribute either by his presence or by doing it himself to those, you know, handful of game changing plays that happen in the playoffs that often determine the winner. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, you know, I think on paper, cornerback might be a bigger need for the Rams with Darius Williams hurt. Uh, of course, they have Jalen Ramsey. He's great. But, you know, those other cornerback spots. But at the end of the day, like if Von Miller's good as a pass rusher, it's going to make the life of whoever's playing cornerback a lot easier. So, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they are interconnected in that way. 
Um, are you surprised nobody beat this offer? You know, if the Broncos went around the league to all the competitors, all the teams who need pass rushers and said, hey, we're trading Von Miller. We're going to eat basically all of his salary. Make us your best offer. Are you surprised that nobody was topping um, what's going to be probably a late two and a late three from the Rams? Um, a little bit given, you know, just in terms of the impact that, that he could potentially make, but um, it sort of fits this trade, the, the overall ethos of this trade deadline, which was there wasn't a lot of interest in doing a lot of frontline deals in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether that's because everybody's tight against the salary cap and again, that the, the Broncos paying uh, most of his salary would get you around that, but whether it's, it's the, the value that teams continue to put on, uh, draft picks. I mean, um, the Rams are definitely outliers in terms of uh, extreme outliers in terms of the way they uh, don't protect their draft picks and, mm-hmm. and kind of use them as, as grist to put together their short-term team. Uh, and there's a lot of teams who think otherwise. And, and it also seemed to be just from talking to people a little more indecision this year about whether you were going to be a buyer or a seller mm-hmm. on a, bigger level, like some of these smaller deals, like they just, that's kind of swapping, you know, second tier, third tier players. But mm-hmm. in terms of putting up a second and a third round pick for a Von Miller, um, there was a, more indecision about where teams feel like they stand right now. Uh, maybe that's because we have an additional games, a 17 game season and the trade deadline is still in the same place as it always was. So there's Mm -hmm. not, there's more of the season left than there usually is, but there definitely seemed to be some ambivalence, more ambivalence, more hesitation, less aggression in terms of using this deadline as a way to, to, uh, to bring in a short-term asset. And so uh, on paper, you would think a lot of teams, more teams would be jumping at the, at the chance to, to, to get a Von Miller, but it certainly didn't seem to be the ethos of, of many of this, of this trade deadline in general. Um, there weren't a lot of teams thinking in that regard. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about some of the teams maybe who should have been uh, sellers yeah. a little later on, but yeah, I think that and the, you know, the 14 team playoff, you know, is going to make it more difficult for teams kind of on the margins to yeah. say, okay, we're going to sell, you know, and get rid of a player who might help us push for a playoff spot. Even if that is just the seventh seed, in one of these conferences. And that's why I think I was a little surprised the Broncos would do this. I mean, at four and four, I know, yes, mm-hmm. they're not a great football team. And, and that's certainly fair to say they struggle to put away Washington. Their wins are over the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets, not exactly the stiffest competition. So I wouldn't fault anybody who says, hey, this probably is not a great football team. But at this point, if almost half the league makes the playoffs, you don't have to be great to make no. it to the postseason. You just have to be good. And the Broncos, they could be good. Yeah. And, and I wonder if George Payton, who's their GM, wasn't just thinking more, you know, in the very long term. I mean, whether you know, Von Miller stays another eight, nine games for them or 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 gets traded now, he was probably not going to be with them moving forward. And so then you get into the the comparison and the calculus of is can we get something better than the than the um compensatory pick we would get for him and they probably did here and then you say okay but is that worth nine million and i always look at that as i mean they have the cap space and if they kept him he would have to stay on their cap anyway this year Mm -hmm. so and i look at it if the team owner um or ownership group as it is in denver 
is willing to, to, to put out that cash to make the deal, then really they're the only ones who have to uh, suffer any consequences right. there. Um, so there's really no cap in major cap impact to doing it. And they improve marginally on the return that they get for him. And maybe it's a reflection of, of the amount of impact they thought he would have, you know, the rest of the year or the, or their realization that while they are four and four and aren't great, that it's, it's more likely to go, uh, in a bad way than it is in a good way the rest of the way. Um, and just kind of a sober, honest assessment of where they're at, uh, probably all, uh, went into it. And, yeah. uh, and so I think that my, you know, my thinking is, is that's where they were coming from. Yeah. And I mean, I think that makes sense, you know, and it's actually a pretty smart way to approach it. I I'm still a little surprised that they did approach it that way though. You know, I think that, you know, that's a very rational and reasonable argument, but teams aren't always very rational and reasonable when it comes to evaluating where they are. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about the Jaguars a tiny bit, but you know, they asked um, uh, one reporter asked Urban Meyer, whether the Jags were going to be buyers or sellers. And you know, the Jaguars are one and seven, one and six, one and six. And you know, Urban said, I don't know, you know, we have some draft capital to work with and it's just, you know, uh, to, to have this other organization, Say okay, well, we we don't know whether we're going to be buyers or sellers, even though we have no shot of making the postseason, and we're a mess, and we're years yeah. away from competing. And have the Broncos, who are genuinely in a in a playoff race. I mean, they have a twenty five percent chance, or somewhere around twenty five percent chance of making the postseason per ESPN's Football Power Index. You know, make that sort of argument, which I think is is very reasonable. It's still a little surprising to me. And right, right. You know, I I, I guess I wonder, you know, if they were going to make this move. I'm almost surprised they didn't do anything else. I mean, there are certainly veterans on this roster who would have been valuable to other teams. There's been a lot of talk about Kyle Fuller possibly getting traded. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they're starting quarterback, but uh, the Saints have a major needed quarterback with Jameis Winston injured and Teddy Bridgewater would seem to be a perfect yeah. fit there knowing exactly what they have. And you'd figure the Saints would probably be willing to trade a, a pretty significant pick to acquire Teddy Bridgewater from the, the Broncos. Like I'm almost surprised if they made this one move with Von Miller, that there wasn't a second move or a third move. And, yeah. and it almost makes me wonder, you know, how much of this was about the Broncos recognizing where they are in the playoff race and how much this was about Von Miller specifically. And when, when the Bron, the Broncos thinking, Hey, maybe, you know, like you said, he's not, not only not in our long-term future, but maybe he's not really helping us all that much right now. Yeah. And it could be, and, and maybe they also like thought basically that went through the thought process of saying, well, we can get a second and a third round pick for him, but you know, what, is it worth it to trade our starting quarterback uh, uh, to new Orleans for a fourth round pick or a fifth round mm-hmm. pick, you know, maybe that that return is not enough to make it uh, worth their while. I also think like when I, when you talk about that and you, you reference Jacksonville and it also makes me think in terms of ownership and, and mentioned the ownership group of Denver, but you know, they're a team that doesn't have like a single person who's right. in charge right now due to the, you know, the, the, the family trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, mm-hmm. following the death still of, of Pat Bowen. And so um, sometimes when that, when that circumstance arises and there's not really like day-to-day ownership pressure, you, you see people operate the team in a different way. And so, you know, George Payton obviously, and, and Vic Fangio obviously want to win as many games as they can, you know, as soon as they can, but 
I wonder if George Payton doesn't have a little bit more flexibility, even if it's just in the absence of somebody breathing down his neck mm-hmm. to say, to say, you know what, you know, really like, let's be realistic here. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Even if we get to the playoffs, we're going to lose in the first round. If we get that far, the last thing we want to do is be a eight and nine team or a nine and eight team that, you know, fools itself into thinking it's better than it is. And so let's, you know, we, we have an asset here that we can get value for let's do it. And whereas an owner, you know, there's lots of owners in the league that would say, no, you know, don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to, I want to sell tickets. I want to create the perception. I want to to push the perception as much as we can that we're trying to win all the time and not um, that we're giving up on a season. So I, I wonder if that isn't also part of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and I think that's, you know, I, I, it's such a tough line to toe, right? Like, like, yeah, like want to do the best thing for your franchise in the long term versus not, you know, disenfranchising the players you have right now and sort of, you know, destroying the culture of, of being competitive with your franchise. I think the Browns, you know, came to mind for me as a team that, you know, really lost that during the years they had Hugh Jackson and they were tanking and they were just mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. as much as they get. Like, like, you know, I think as a big nerd, like I'm always thinking, hey, draft picks are great. You know, just, uh, you want to be great or really terrible, all that stuff. But there's always a balance to hit there. You know, yeah. you want to have a team that's competitive. You want to have players who are motivated. And, um, you know, I, I think certainly it, it's it's such a tough line to toe. And it's this is a, you know, I, I think a move that made sense for both sides, you know, and thinking mm-hmm. about who won this trade, you know, I, we have to see how Von Miller plays. Obviously, we have to see how the Broncos uh, pick with the selections they have with the second and third pick they end up getting. But at the end of the day, like, I think, you know, you could say that the Rams got a great player or, or possibly a great player for a couple of late round picks or cutting out air picks, but late mid round picks mm-hmm. and basically no money. And the Broncos were able to get two meaningful assets for their team, a team that's drafted well over the past few years, by the way. And got rid of a player they were going to lose anyway. So to me, it feels like a win-win. I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems like it's pretty reasonable for both sides. Yeah. And actually you mentioned the grades and I, that was probably, I think the only one I did where I gave the same grade to both teams. I gave them both an A minus. And so yeah. Um, yeah, as much as we like to pick winners and losers, I think it, it, this was one that both teams benefited from. I, I, I have to admit, I lied. I did know what, what you get. I said, I don't know what you did. I do know. I gave them an A minus, but <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's very reasonable. I read it and, and I said to myself, well, I agree. Like, you know, I, I think you yeah. can poke holes in it for both sides. Like maybe Miller gets hurt. It's not the same guy. Broncos, maybe they lose the, maybe the picks don't turn out. Like anything can happen, but there are certainly moves where on their face, they happen and just say, this makes absolutely no sense for one of these two teams. And this makes sense, I think, for both of these teams. Um, elsewhere yeah. around the league, not much happening at uh, on trade deadline day itself. Two minor moves for the Chiefs. Uh, they trade a pick for Melvin Ingram, who was lost in the shuffle with the Steelers, wanted to get out of Pittsburgh. And then they shipped off uh, former starting guard, Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, who opted out of the 2020 season to help fight COVID in Canada and then lost his job to Trey Smith for the Chiefs this year at guard. Um, trading to the Jets, for tight end Daniel Brown. Of course, the Chiefs struggling mightily to begin this season. Such a weird start to the year for Kansas City. Not a lot of cap space, um, so didn't have a ton of flexibility, but given their struggles, 
do you think they did enough at the deadline to improve their team? No, I mean, I don't think they really improved their team. You know, was there more to be done? Um, could, should they have traded for Von Miller? Um, should they have uh, found another receiver? Um, you know, should they have tried to go after Odell Beckham Jr., which I feel like that situation has come up so fast. Who knows? I'm not certain he was really even being marketed during the trade deadline or not, but I don't think that the deals that they made really have a material mm-hmm. impact on the team that they were before the deadline began, no. And I was actually surprised that they gave up or they traded mm-hmm. DuVernay Tardif away because I, and it, I don't think it requires rocket science. Like, like their offensive line was mm-hmm. the big problem last year. They tried to put it back together uh, this year. They, uh, they actually have a pretty good player playing at, at right guard now um, that, that uh, you know, that, mm-hmm. uh, and Trey Smith, the rookie who sort of took over his position, but like, did, is it not worth keeping him for depth? Does he, have you, has he been away from the game for so long that, it's not even, and you've seen enough of them during practice or during preseason that you don't even want to keep them in case uh, mm-hmm. Trey Smith gets hurt or somebody else gets hurt like that. And then, and only to, to trade him for a special teams player, uh, which is basically what Daniel mm-hmm. Brown is from the Jets. Um, it, that, that one was one that I didn't quite get. Like, I don't know how, certainly they're not better there. And they potentially, if something, if they have an, another injury, their offensive line, they're worse. Yeah. And that's what surprised me. You know, I think the idea of trading, uh, Duvernay Tardy didn't shock me. You know, I, I absolutely see why you'd say, hey, keep them in case you do have those issues up front. And I guess they maybe think Kyle Long uh, is going to come back. But Kyle Long, of course, has his own significant injury history. I mean, yeah, like that's that's if that's the guy you're relying on and, and I love him. But like if if that's the guy you're relying on, then that doesn't seem like a strong calculation. That's fair. That's an extremely fair point. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I could see why maybe you would trade him. But to me, I think you only trade him if you're getting something that's going to significantly impact the team you have right now. Like you're not going to get a ton for Duvernay Tardif. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a guy who hasn't no. played since 2019. A, a good guard, certainly, but not like he is a superstar guard. Um, but to me, I think, okay, you know, if I'm going to trade that, what might be a valuable debt piece for me. I have to get a player who's going to impact the team right now uh, at a position where we need help, whether it's safety, whether it's cornerback, whether it's um, wide receiver, whether it's, you know, uh, a better tight end, even, you know, get Daniel Brown, like Daniel Brown might be a useful player for them. And certainly I think they needed a, 
a second or third string tight end after Jody Fortson went down for the year. But I, I'm not I'm not sure I would yeah. use what to me is a more valuable piece on that to get that player. You know what I mean? I think you could have got got a player like Daniel Brown with a seventh round pick, and I wouldn't have traded uh, Lauren Duvernay Tardif for a seventh round pick. So I was a little surprised they made that move. Yeah, I mean, unless, unless the, the 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 most charitable analysis is to say they've seen him. They've seen enough of them behind the scenes. No other NFL team has seen what they've seen because it's all been mm-hmm. during practice in their facility to know that he's cooked, that he's basically done as a player, done as a starting caliber player, and that he, if he, they would have been no better than below replacement value uh, if Trey Smith had had uh, gotten hurt by putting him in there than by putting anybody else in there. And so that that's, to me, the most charitable analysis to give them on that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other big trade we saw, or big maybe relatively, the other trade we saw several days ago was Mark Ingram going back to the Saints yeah. for a seventh round pick in 2024. Basically, the Texans did Mark Ingram a favor and traded him to his old team for the lowest possible compensation. You can get a seventh round pick several drafts away. Now, of course, the Texans not going anywhere. Ingram's a veteran player. They don't need him on their roster Never over the rest him. of the season. Never needed them to begin with, to be fair, but especially don't need them now. Yeah. Saints, I found this really intriguing, and I guess they couldn't have known what was about to happen. Uh, several days after this trade, of course, they lose Jameis Winston mm-hmm. for the rest of the season to a torn ACL. Michael Thomas, who was uh, you know expected to come back from an ankle injury, has a setback, has to undergo another surgery, and will miss the rest of the season as well. But we knew they were in rough cap shape. Maybe they could have done something, but they were already pretty stretched after having to lose $100 million off their cap to begin with. Leaving aside that they didn't know about the quarterback situation, maybe they didn't know they were going to need Thomas. Are you surprised that they used the little cap space they had to add a backup running back as opposed to maybe a player at a different position? A little bit, you know, but I wonder... If you know, in terms of, I mean, it wasn't a lot of cap space. I don't know the exact right. number off the top of my head, but it wasn't a lot. And they, there's, there's a lot of the way the Saints operate, um, and this is not meant as a, a, a rip at all, is based on like internal culture and personalities. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just kind of the way Sean Payton has built teams there and, and, and managed to keep them playing at a high level. And yeah, um, you know, we can look at it clinically and say, you know, Ingram is, you know, he's an older running back. We know what, you know, the value of, of older running backs are not that high. He's had some injuries in the past few years. Um, and they already, you know, Alvin Kamara is obviously their guy um, to the point where they were willing to release Latavius Murray um, for cap reasons uh, mm-hmm. before the season started. So they weren't that concerned about their backup situation. Then Tony Jones gets hurt. And so there's, there was that to consider, but I, I you know, I, I think that, the saints more than a lot of teams put real value in the personalities and the culture and the um, sort of the intangibles that go into team building then. And, and you can't say it hasn't worked at least in terms of regular season success, you know, ultimately things that the analysis changes when you go to the playoffs and it's just a lot of good players against a lot of good players in every game. But I think, you know, so I, so I guess when I saw that trade, like it was, it seemed to me like one of the more predictable ones to, to, to project um, mm-hmm. for that reason. Uh, do I think that it's going to, you know, make a material difference in how good their offense is? I didn't at the time, 
But now that the Jameis Winston injury has happened and we know Michael Thomas mm-hmm. isn't coming back, you wonder if they're going to be even more run-based than they would have yeah. otherwise. And so maybe they kind of lucked into the fact that they now have another you know, professional runner um, on their roster, one that knows, you know, can jump right in, knows their scheme and might actually be more valuable now than he was prior to. But in terms of just like locker room culture and personality, like it didn't surprise me at all that they, they made that move. Yeah, that's two really good points. I mean, certainly the locker room chemistry makes sense. Ingram was a a much beloved player there in New Orleans for several years inside and outside the building. But then, yeah, on top of that, you know, we don't know what this offense is going to look like. Um, Sean Payton has said Taysom Hill is going to be their starter when he's healthy. So, yeah, I mean, having a a power back like Mark Ingram is perfect for what they're going to be running. So absolutely not just taking some of the load off of Alvin Kamara, but maybe the evolution of this offense over the remainder of the season would probably involve Mark Ingram at quarterback. So absolutely. I think it, you know, um, I I would have had questions. Obviously the price was pretty much nothing. So at the end of the day, it's not like a big deal to make a trade for Mark Ingram, but um, absolutely. You know, I think it could end up being uh, a more meaningful move for the saints than they would have figured even when they made that deal to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I wanted to ask you, about some of these teams on the lower end, like the, like the Texans, like mm-hmm. the Jaguars, the Giants, the Jets. I mean, the, the Lions, teams that are 0 and 8, 1 and 7, the Dolphins, I should, well, uh, 1 and 7, 1 and 6, 2 and 6. Yeah. You know, the worst teams in football, teams that have, even in the 14 team playoff, even with the 17 game season, no chance really of making it to the playoffs at this point. Uh, granted, certainly the cap is tough. Um, with the league having the reduced cap this year. But are you surprised that we didn't see teams at the very bottom of the market trade off more of their veterans? Yeah, to be in sell mode. Um, yeah. I used to cover baseball back in the day, and that was always like a it, – it's interesting to think of it in that perspective because I covered teams that you know would get to the middle of the summer and they'd just have fire sales. And like, the, mm-hmm. like six of the nine guys that started in their opening day lineup or whatever would be traded. And it was such mm-hmm. a um, – the day after the trade deadline in that situation was such a – uh, gut suck, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, I just sucked the air right out of everybody. Like you'd go in the, mm-hmm. in the clubhouse and like th- all the people would be missing and, and like, it would feel like the season, you know, had been written off and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the fans would feel that way. The manager would start talking about the following season or like what he's going to do, you know, how he can go until he can you know, call up people onto the old 40 man roster they used to have. And so it really was like uh, a really seminal thing to happen. And I think, you know, and, and when I shifted over to covering football, um, it, there was just never the appetite to do that. You know, there might be some times when, um, when there certainly are times when it would be smarter for a team to do that and just say like, we'll, we'll certainly trade off, uh, a couple of wins over the last couple months of the season um, to run up our draft total for the next few years. But mm-hmm. the idea, and again, this comes back to ownership, I think the, the idea that, um, that an owner that owners are going to write off um, those last two months of the season, it, it doesn't, it, it, they don't buy into that very often. And so it, it's almost as if like, and maybe it's because no one's actually ever tried to convince them to it. It's just been assumed that they wouldn't. 
But mm-hmm. I there's just very few times when when teams uh, really seem to have the like the internal ambition even um, or aspiration even of maximizing uh, the trade deadline for for future years. And um, I don't know if there's like a I don't think that anyone has any studies to prove that that you know is an unwise situation that that you would be unwise to, to dump out you know, any marketable veterans and put everybody on the market like they, like you see in other sports. Um, I think there's just not an appetite to have, um, I mean, today we're talking, you know, we're talking on November uh, 3rd, you know, the, the trade deadline was November 2nd to go from November 2nd until January 3rd with, you know, telling you know your fans and your players that we're not even trying to win. I think it's something that we don't, we don't see many owners be willing to, to, um, to accept. So while we can stand here and say clinically that the Jaguars are going to end up, you know, like I have a, I mean, if I had a guess, I'd say they're going to be one in 16, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the lions are, you know, have a pretty decent chance at 0 and 17 and the dolphins, you know, you, maybe you can make an argument for the dolphins needing to keep things reputable to give them a chance to, to truly evaluate Tua. Um, mm-hmm. on a somewhat competitive team, but those other teams and um, especially Jacksonville and Detroit, like, I just think that like there, there's not a, there's not a stomach and it's a very subjective thing, but there's just not the stomach to, to make that quote unquote announcement and, and, and ship out all your veterans um, or a lot more of your veterans uh, than there should be. Well, I mean, there's um, there's got to be a middle ground, though, right? Like, like I think the idea of trading away like six or seven players that that scares me. Yeah. And I could see, like you were talking about earlier, like that being a thing that would maybe ruin your chemistry, ruin your effort level. But like, take a team like the Giants, for example, with Evan Ingram, mm-hmm. a guy who's a free agent after the season, has a pretty significant salary this year, not living up to expectations, not part of your future, not really part of the offense on a regular basis right now. You know, maybe you say, okay, well, we have too many wide receivers hurt. We don't want to deal him. But like, you know, maybe one player like that for each team comes to mind for me where it's like, you know, if you can get a fifth or a fourth, a fifth or a sixth round pick for one of those guys, like you're not going to destroy the culture by trading away one guy or maybe even two guys. You know, I think six or seven, that, that that's concerning. But yeah, I was surprised we didn't see at least, you know, maybe one or two of those teams trade one or two guys here or there. Well, if you're, if you're the giants and you're Dave Gettleman, the GM and, and you're had, you've fielded plenty of suboptimal subpar teams in the past few years, and you're potentially general managing for your job, you know, mm-hmm. you, you might not even consider the long-term um, yeah. impact of trading Evan Ingram. And if it can get you a couple, if you think he can even give you a chance to have a better chance to win uh, over the next two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly we talk about the, um, the moral hazard that where, where GMs are not necessarily aligned with the best thing for their organization in the long term. Yeah, you know, even if it's even if it's unconscious, like I don't think Dave Gettleman sitting here today saying, "Hey, I, I want to do what's best for me, not what's best for the Giants." Oh, no, right, right. You may you may be able to convince yourself that's what what's best for you is best for the Giants, even if you're not trying to do that necessarily. Um, let's finish up here. One player who was on the trade market but didn't get dealt was Odell Beckham of the Cleveland Browns. No takers for his contract, which has, I believe, $8 million or so left this upcoming season, and then two unguaranteed years in the years to come. Odell Beckham had one catch in Sunday's loss to the Steelers. 
uh, was wide open for a big play and Baker Mayfield missed him, um, almost got him killed by the mm-hmm. Steelers secondary um, on the play. So yesterday, uh, Odell Beckham Sr. goes on Instagram, is complaining about Odell Beckham's usage with the Browns. It's 2021. This is how things happen in the NFL. And today, as we record this, Odell Beckham has been excused from practice. According to reports, uh, Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, has told the team that Odell Beckham is basically not a member of the Browns right now. So this could be outdated pretty quick as we record this Wednesday afternoon. But it certainly seems like Odell Beckham's future lays elsewhere, whether it be uh, via a waiver claim or as a free agent. So let's start with the waiver claim element of this. If, if a team were to claim Odell Beckham on waivers, I believe they would have to pay that $8 million. We know there was no trade interest for Odell Beckham at that price tag, but do you think any team would claim Odell Beckham with that price tag just to keep a team that is behind them in the waiver order from getting Odell Beckham? Um, I think it's 50-50 at best that they would do that. I think, I think people are going to look at this and say it's been a long time, since, relatively long time since he's been a dominant receiver. And mm-hmm. he ran afoul of, of what the Giants were doing, and now he's run afoul of what the Cleveland Browns are doing. And, like, you know, maybe, maybe he were to, you know, it, it's not the same situation as Antonio Brown, um, mm-hmm. but it's, there's some elements in terms of, of people gonna, are going to be wary. Um, and that, to me, makes them not less likely than, than, than you would think based on his history of, and body of work that somebody's going to want to claim the contract. Um, you know, I don't know how much cheaper you can get him. Uh, you know, sure you get him significantly cheaper if you, if he clears waivers and you sign him to a free agent, but you know, I, I'm not certain that team usually waiver claims are, are for teams that, for somebody who's like really a bargain or somebody who's mm-hmm. like, unexpectedly available and is a game changer from the moment he steps in there and neither one of those apply to him. So I, I could be wrong. And that's why I'm saying 50, 50, but <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like a, a thing that people are going to be falling over themselves to do at this point. I'd be surprised, honestly, yeah. if anybody claimed like, you never want to say never, because I mean, there might be a team that just says, Hey, we're getting Odell Beckham for free. Like at some point, there are teams that just say, Hey, like it's, it's too big of a name, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's too big of a talent that we can fix him. We can get him right. And maybe, you know, Baker Mayfield's the problem there and not, not Odell Beckham, but there just aren't that many teams who even have the cap space to get this done, who are competitive. I mean, looking down the, the list of teams here with, with the cap space to do it with the Eagles, who I don't think would necessarily want to spend that much money on a guy, you know, for, for their offense um, Broncos, you figure don't want to do it yeah. after the, the fun moment yeah. thing. Um, Panthers don't need a receiver. Seahawks don't need a receiver. Chargers, they could use a receiver, but I would almost be more interested in Deshaun Jackson Yeah, if I were yeah. given what they need. The Ravens don't need a receiver right now. The Steelers, I guess they could maybe use a receiver with, with Juju out for the year, but I don't think that's their biggest weakness right now, certainly at wide receiver. Washington's out of the race. Uh, the Bengals don't need a wide receiver. The Texans don't need, well, they need everything, but they're not going to get a wide receiver. Tennessee is right around 8 million. I Maybe they could say, okay, we're going to be more of a, a three wide team after yeah. we lost Eric Henry and the Packers are just under $7 million. Maybe they could say, Hey, uh, you know, we, we could use that second weapon. But to me, I think I, I would be surprised if, if a team went out and wanted to pay him that much money to right. me, I think, 
I, I think if he does go through waivers, and I think that's likely, there would be a market for him. There would be teams interested in signing him at a, a reduced rate. But to you, um, if that happens, if he makes it through waivers, where do you think he would be most likely to end up uh, this season? I mean, you, the, then you have to like you you have to think like, okay, which quarterback can or how many quarterbacks in the league can handle him? And when, when I say it's not their job to handle him as a coach or whatever, but it's to handle a high maintenance guy, to put it charitably, who is going to sure. you know show you up on the field if you're you're you underthrow him or you overthrow him or you 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 know potentially don't put the ball on the right spot, um, and so like it's almost you know it's it's interesting it's coming up this week because the the Packers general manager um, is uh, is on the COVID list right now. But mm-hmm. and making a bad Aaron Rodgers joke, but you know that that's the guy that I think, um, and that's the team I think that like pops in my head as mm-hmm. you know we talked about at the beginning of this Von Miller being the guy that can um, potentially make the kind of play that makes a, a a divisional playoff team become a Super Bowl playoff team, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know and and that's you know something that I could I could see uh, happening for the Packers and going through their, um, going through their, uh, their roster. I mean, they, they have really, you know, it's Devonte Adams, um, and a little bit of Alan Lazard, but it's not like mm-hmm. there's been this, you know, vast, um, diversity of targets that Aaron Rodgers has gone through this year. Randall Cobb obviously has gotten a, a few more, but I, I could see, you know, I could see that, you know, whether it's, um, something that happens right away or something that happens down, you know, a few weeks from now, like mm-hmm. that would be a team where the quarterback could handle them. Um, I think the coach, you know, has a pretty uh, easygoing personality when it comes to handling different per- players types. And, uh, and it would make sense from a football perspective as well. And so I think um, that's the, that's the team that pops in my head. I don't have any inside knowledge that they are already considering or having internal talks about it, but Mm-hmm. It sure seems like um, a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And certainly um, if they do do it quickly, you know, the the perfect distraction from the Aaron Rodgers COVID story would be, hey, look, we just got Odell Beckham. Isn't that interesting? Don't you guys want to write about that? Don't you want to talk <laughs> yeah. about that as a fan base as yeah. opposed to um, this other thing that's happening? So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely could see that. And I think the team that came to mind for me, not because the quarterback would necessarily be able to, you know, control or be happy with Odell Beckham, but the coach would be uh, the Saints, you know, a team mm-hmm. that has a need for a receiver with uh, Michael Thomas out for the year. They're already thin at wide receiver to begin with. They, they cut Emmanuel Sanders for cap reasons this offseason. Um, and I mean, Odell Beckham, of course, went to LSU. LSU yeah, the LSU uh, connection. You know, a, a beloved player in that community, um, you know, certainly comes to mind for me. A guy who, who grew up in Baton Rouge, went to high school in New Orleans, you know, like, like a, a, a dude who is has so many ties mm-hmm. to the Louisiana area for a team that, you know, really needs help at wide receiver, really needs something on offense besides Alvin Kamara and I guess maybe Mark Ingram. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it would be a tougher squeeze for them financially, but maybe they make it work for the rest of the year and they say, OK, well, we'll visit it, you know, down down the line. We'll visit in, in 2022. But, yeah, I think I, there will be interest in Odell Beckham. Yeah, I don't think on his, on his current deal, but I do think the ability to sign him for, you know, a couple million dollars for the rest of the year, there will definitely be a market for Adele Beckham at that price tag. I agree. I agree. And I think people just have to be smart about the, 
the match and the uh, and the combination of personalities that that would bring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let me finish up with this question. I have one more question for you, but then we'll get out of here. Okay. Is there any other player besides Odell Beckham around the NFL, whether it be a guy on a competing a competitive team, a guy on a team going nowhere, but a player who you think should have been traded at the trade deadline and was not. Hmm. Yeah, this, this, this wouldn't be a high profile name, but I am surprised like more quarterbacks weren't traded. And I look at Chicago and would they have mm-hmm. Nick Foles and Andy Dalton yeah. both, you know, like that you can get something for that. You know, if you, if the, you know, if the, the two most valuable, um, if the two most valuable positions are quarterback and pass rusher, you know, Andy Dalton's not going to win you a, a, a Super Bowl, but, um, it's surprise and Nick Foles, but Nick Foles has done it for somebody and, and um, at least been the quarterback for a team that won the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I'm surprised that there wasn't more interest in sort of prying some of those types of guys loose for teams that either have injury problems or, you know, whether it's a, a you know, um, Saint situation where mm-hmm. you're, you're not even sure who your backups are, or you just, you know, you're um, even, the jets and you're not sure if Mike White's going to keep doing this every year and, and <laughs> Joe Flacco, you know, who knows, you know, why didn't maybe somebody should trade it for Joe Flacco, you know, the jets uh, traded for Joe. Flacco. Yeah, I know. I know. And then maybe somebody <laughs> should have traded with the jets for, for Flacco as well, because uh, Mike White and, and played well enough that maybe you're okay with that. And you have Josh Johnson mm-hmm. as well. And so um, generally speaking, like I'm not, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that teams weren't working harder to pry loose some of these uh, veteran backups that are out there and aren't going to change your entire team dynamic, but are probably better than what you have. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing is that of all the teams to trade for a veteran quarterback, the one team who did it was the New York Jets trading for Joe Flacco of of all things. Um, Kevin, this was great. Thanks so much for coming on. Where can people check out? the work you did covering the trade deadline and the trades you've seen over the past few months. Yeah. Over on the ESPN.com, uh, the ESPN plus page, we have, uh, we have a full file analysis of all the deals, big and small. I also have linked out to it on my Twitter account, Seaford ESPN. Uh, so they can find it anywhere along those lines. Kevin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much to my guest today. ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Check out Kevin's trade grades on ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at Seifert ESPN. Hopefully there won't be as much news breaking over the rest of the week. This has been a busy day, but hoping you guys are enjoying the podcast we did today. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the news breaking on the NFL. Hopefully uh, there is more coming on the way. So hopefully you guys have a good week. Enjoy week nine. We'll be back after week nine, talking more NFL here on the Bill Barnwell show.